And now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. Today I'm joined on the phone by uh, Lawrence Kotlikoff. Sir, how are you doing today? Uh, very good. How are you doing, Tom? I'm well. Uh, tell us about your uh, presidential ambitions. I know that you are, you're, you're running for president. Tell us why you're doing that. Okay, let me just give you a little background. I'm a professor of economics at Boston University. I'm a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. I'm, I was ranked by The Economist magazine as among the top 25 most influential economists in the world. I'm a best-selling New York Times uh, author. So I have, a, and I've been working on policy issues. I'm 65. I've been working on different policy questions from climate change to banking to taxes to social security to health care reform uh, and also been giving a lot of thought um, to to the foreign policy challenges we face uh, for decades and uh, what I saw leading up to this uh, decision to run as a writing candidate uh, that I made in January uh, was two candidates that were going to, going to emerge that were not going to be what really what we need to fix the country. So starting in January, last January, I sat down and said, look, I don't have money. I don't have a political party behind me. What I have is answers to how to fix the country. And these are answers that, that aren't just my own answers, but answers that I've developed in conjunction with talking with uh, the top economists in each area of concern around the country and really around the world. And I've got years of experience working abroad for the Bank of England, for the president of Chile, for the president of Bolivia. You know, I've consulted in Kazakhstan with a prime minister in Kazakhstan. I've worked with uh, top people and um, I've consulted with the Russian government about pension reform. So I have a wealth of international experience uh, in addition to having studied as an academic, uh, uh, but also having consulted with economists about how to fix all these different issues that we're facing. So I decided to write a, what I would hope would be like a best bestseller, but it's free, a book uh, on how to fix the country, country and it's called write, write Us In because it's asking people to write my name and my running mate's name on the ballot on November Eighth, my running mate is UCLA economist Edward Lemer. He's a top economist at UCLA, and um, and so rather than engage in sound bites or pep rallies, uh, or to try and spend all my time raising money, I decided to try and write something that would be a real page turner. Here's the truth. Of, <clears throat> here's the truth about uh, our economy and our global problems, uh, our international problems. And uh, here's the very simple solutions that the economics profession is actually offering. It's, it's uh, very much a discussion of how economists would fix the country. And because the policies that I'm proposing are ones, again, that I worked out with other topic, you know, other economists. Uh, I won't call myself a top economist. Other people have said that. And there's some evidence that um, I might merit that rating. But... Uh, I'm a, a modest guy, but I'm very concerned about the future of the country and the future of our children. And it just, it ranges from not just the domestic, everywhere I, I look, I see 
generational expropriation, exploitation. Uh, the social security system is bankrupt. The healthcare system we have is balkanized. It's leaving a lot of people still uninsured. It's extremely expensive, inefficient. It's uh, a train wreck in the making. And if you look at the long-term projections of the Congressional Budget Office, you have a tax system, which is a complete mess, which is letting people like Donald Trump totally escape taxes. That's why he's not revealing his tax returns, because he hasn't paid any taxes for years, I'm sure. It's very simple to, to not pay taxes if you're super rich like this guy is. Uh, we have a banking system that's poised to re-collapse. Uh, uh, it was never really fixed. The politicians um, and the bureaucrats pr pr provided themselves a full employment act, but uh, they really didn't fix the core leverage and opacity problems in the banking system. There's a very simple solution for how to fix that. So I, I'm, t I'm talking about things that have been endorsed proposals that I've developed in consultation with economists that have been endorsed by Nobel laureates, by, in the case of my banking reform, the, the former head of the Bank of England has, you know, uh, endorsed the proposal and spoken publicly about it. And they're all very simple. They're like postcard length. So it's not like we have to have a 2,000-page solution to every problem that we need to have massive bureaucratic answers. We can get things done very simply. We can, you know, for example, develop a new, freeze the old social security system, come up with one that's not $32 trillion in the red, according to the trustees. So, so what I'm saying is let's present the facts, let's understand the facts, and let's also understand the solutions we need in effect, a technocrat running the country at this point uh, and explaining to the public the truth because it's being hidden. If you went, if you heard those debates last night, you did not get the truth about any issue. You had Trump sounding off about trade. Uh, he, what he knows from trade is, is about the equivalent of an eighth grader. Uh, you know, if, if he had his way, uh, being that he's from New York, he would presumably not just put up tariffs uh, against all our trade partners so that we had no trade with any other country uh, because they were obviously stealing our jobs. But then he put up tariffs uh, in New York State, if you could control New York State, against trade with any other state in the country. And then he'd put up tariffs between New York City and any other part of New York. And then he'd probably put up tariffs between the Trump Tower where he lives and any other part of New York City so that only people within the Trump Tower could could trade with each other, and then he might decide that only people within his own family should be able to tra trade with each other, and you would end up with um, something akin to the Dark Ages in terms of uh, economic activity. So the guy is um, a fruitcake when it comes to his knowledge of economics, and then you've got, I, I view him as a know-nothing candidate, and Hillary Clinton I view as a do-nothing candidate. She uh, has no new ideas to, about fixing anything and not doing anything is is um, is very very dangerous so she's very very dangerous to our country in a different way than trump is trump could uh, invite the russians to invade the baltics he's already done that more or less uh, that's very very dangerous clinton could sit back and watch north korea develop nuclear weapons that can reach our shores they've already they're very well along the way in doing that and just say, well, uh, it just happened. We, there's nothing we could do. We, the sanctions didn't work, and too bad. You know, my position in North Korea is that we, 
is that we need to uh, impose immediately a, a military ban, militarily enforced ban on nuclear weapon testing and missile testing of any range from any platform, including submarines, and that if the, Rus- if the North Koreans violate that, it all has to be destroyed the same day. Uh, if they attempt to violate it, it has to be destroyed. We have to be very, very firm with the North Koreans. This is the equivalent to the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, which you're probably too young to remember, Tom, but I watched it on TV in black and white uh, uh, back in 19, I guess it was uh, 1962 uh, when it it happened. And President Kennedy did not shirk from that responsibility of being very firm and saying this is not going to go down. We're not going to allow this to happen. It's either you remove those missiles or we are going to invade Cuba or destroy those from the air. And that's, that's that. And he gave the Russians a sufficient amount of time and they backed away and we made some concessions and I'm willing to, uh, to meet with the North Koreans and to recognize that country in conjunction with their recognizing South Korea and its right to uh, sovereignty, have a formal peace agreement, have full trade relations with North Korea, uh, and also, but it has to be conditional on their eliminating their nuclear weapons and eliminating their nuclear weapons production facilities. We do that, we can end that conflict with North Korea. We cannot turn to the Chinese who are not necessarily our best buddies and tell them to fix our problem. That's what Donald Trump said in the debate last night, let the Chinese fix it. Then he said that the Iranians should fix it. Uh, that uh, the, the part of the deal with Iran on their nuclear weapons was that the Iranians should fix uh, our problem with North Korea. I don't think we should take a sworn enemy and suggest that they should fix our problems with North Korea. It's ludicrous. The man is, not, is, is actually deranged. So, and, and Clinton is, um, uh, you know, her idea of how to fix the tax system is actually not going to get to Donald Trump. Uh, because he will not, having higher tax rates on the rich, when the rich don't declare any income that's taxable because they borrow money against their wealth and never have to declare any, and never realize any capital gains and never receive dividends because they buy stocks that don't pay dividends, they don't have to actually have uh, income that shows up that's taxable, and that's how they avoid taxes. It's very simple. So I wrote all about this in this in this uh, in the I'll stop right now and then let you get a word in. Uh, but I wrote all about this in this 157-page uh, uh, book on Kotlikov2016.com. All I need is uh, I'm registered across the country as a writing candidate. I'm the only registered writing candidate in the country. I'm the only writing candidate that can actually win the election legally. And so I am actually the answer that people are looking for, not because I'm the best qualified of any. American. It's just that there's many, many people, including myself, that are more qualified than Clinton and Trump. So all people have to do is go to Kotlikov2016.com and spread the word and get other people to spread the word and get them to spread the word, make a chain letter. We can very quickly turn this around. And it just takes nine words on a ballot that you have to write to elect me um, and my vice president uh, in November. And we can actually have some people in charge who actually know what they're doing and he can fix the country and can talk to both parties because I'm an independent. I can, I like Republicans. I like Democrats. Uh, 
I'm happy to talk. I see where they're coming from. They both have legitimate concerns. They both can be addressed with the right answers. Let us know what is the uh, the, the the actual number of the debt, the national debt. If there is a number, it's not in the 19 trillion number in your estimation, including the unfunded liabilities of uh, Medicare and Social Security. What would you kind of ballpark? What yeah. do you think the actual kind of so, number Tom? Is? So here's here's part of the the fraud we're perpetrating over our on our kids. We have enormous liabilities that we've kept off the books. Uh, all the obligations to pay me, for example, my Social Security benefits, I'm 65. When I'm 70, I'll be taking my benefits. I could take them right today, but they would be reduced. So I'm going to wait till 70. Uh, I expect to live, I hope to live like my mom. Uh, to uh, She's now 97. So that's a real obligation of the federal government to pay me and everybody else who's in the baby boom and everybody who's now retired their Social Security benefits through the end of their days. Same thing with Medicare, same thing with Medicaid. All those obligations are not on the books. All the obligations to uh, pay for the gas for Air Force One from now into the future, not on the books, or pay for our military, even a minimal level of defense expenditure, it's not on the books. And then also the assets aren't on the books. The, the taxes that uh, are gonna be coming in to help pay for these things, they're not being recorded. So economists, as a group, and if you go to the informact.org, the T-H-E-I-N-F-O-R-M-A-C-T, act.org, uh, so it's one word, the informact.org, you'll see that over 1,400 economists from every top university in the, and uh, college, as well as lesser known places, has endorsed uh, what's called fiscal gap accounting. Included in that list is 17 U.S. Nobel Prize winners in economics. We are all saying as a profession that we have to do what's called fiscal gap accounting, which means you put everything on the books, you put on in all the spending, no matter whether you call it uh, servicing the official debt or Medicare payments, all the projected spending has to be put on the books, which means valued in the present, present valued is the, the term that we use in economics, and you need to subtract the present value of all the taxes, and the difference is what's called the fiscal gap. It just tells you very simply how much short we are when, when it comes to paying our projected bills. And we are $206 trillion short right now. That's the size of the fiscal gap. It's not $20 trillion that Donald Trump was talking about last night in the debate. It's $206 trillion. What does that and mean for the, the most, average, yeah. average person? Though? They hear that number, and to them, and $20 trillion, $206 trillion, what's the difference? But in terms of when... Like it means right we now, are dead broke. It, 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 Tom, it means we're dead broke. It means that we uh, are... So do we have money to invest? Uh, Hillary we, Clinton was saying, and, and Donald Trump as well, saying we need to invest, we need to invest, meaning we need to spend more uh, uh, taxpayer dollars on programs. Do we have any money to do that with? No, Donald Trump was, when he said that we don't have the money, uh, that that the reason that we're not fixing our infrastructure, that it's crumbling, that we have these ancient airports that looks like a third world country. You know, some of what he said resonated with me because some of it was exactly true. We are broke and you see it coming up in many different ways. You see the NIH budget not expanding the way it should, the National Institute of Health budget. You see basic research and development not being funded. You see the National Science Foundation having cutbacks in its funding, you see a lot of things that our country used to be able to do not being able to do because 
even though the, these obligations aren't on the books, they are real and they are creeping, getting bigger all the time in terms of our cash flows and they're constraining what else we can do, what money we have left. So to have Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, say she's just going to spend more money and then raise taxes on people that aren't going to declare any income anyway and aren't going to actually not going to lead to more revenue. Mm-hmm. It's just um, ridiculous. It's not an answer. If you look at what I'm proposing, I'm proposing a radically new tax uh, system that's, I think, more progressive that will absolutely make sure the super rich pay their fair share of taxes, but also get the tax uh, incentives uh, straight so that people are not uh, – so that everybody has an incentive to work. Right now we have the poorest people in our country locked into poverty by extremely high uh, effective tax rates because when they earn more money, they lose. Let's say you take somebody who's earning 20000 bucks a year who's uh, got a family of four, mm-hmm. and that person is uh, uh, collecting Medicaid and collecting food stamps and collect, getting the earning them tax credit. Yeah. So he earn, he works more. He earns an extra ten thousand bucks. Here's what happens: he loses uh, money from the state income tax that he's mm-hmm. he, whatever state he's living in. Like Ohio, could be five percent. He loses uh, when he earns the money. He has to pay state sales taxes. So those are two taxes. Then he pays the FICA tax, which is fifteen point three percent. Then he loses twenty two cents on the dollar in the earned income tax credit. Then he loses twenty three cents on the dollar in food stamps. Mm-hmm. Then he loses his, possibly, uh, there might be uh, uh, housing support that he loses. Uh, Then he could lose, uh, if he earns that extra 10,000 bucks, he could lose Medicaid for the entire family. So there's Uh, a disincentive to to achievement in in the He could easily be in a a tax bracket that's far above 100%. I just did a study on this with Alan Auerbach, who's a professor at Berkeley, uh, an economist. It's right on my website, kotlikoff.net. There's two, uh, the top, uh, if you just look at the, the studies under articles, you'll see uh, studies on inequality in the U.S., but also incentives, work disincentives mm-hmm. in the U.S. for the general population and also for the elderly. They're astronomical. We've got people that we are locking out of work, yeah. including the elderly, by the way. The, uh, the, what we have the, to uh, get everybody. Yeah, what about ahead. the young? Are they locked out of work with the uh, minimum wage? What's your opinion about that? So, so my tax reform proposal involves giving everybody $2,000 per person. Uh, and so if you're a family of four, you get $8,000. I get rid of the earned income tax credit, the child tax credit, because I'm getting rid of the federal income tax. I'm getting rid of the corporate income tax. I'm getting rid of the estate and gift tax. But I'm putting in place things that are highly progressive. I'm, getting, I'm eliminating the ceiling on the FICA tax so that uh, Donald Trump would have to pay uh, – 15.3% of his income, of his wage income up to the, the, the maximum. I'm, I'm putting in place a value-added tax of 20%. I'm putting in place an inheritance tax of 20%. I'm putting in place a, uh, a personal progressive consumption tax on consumption above $100,000. And that's the tax that everybody who's rich, super rich, would have to pay. And they would be paying 30% of every penny they spend on consumption. So if you are a professional economist and you've been studying taxes for your entire career, you figure out how to get things right, how to get the incentives right and how to get the progressivity right. And 
that an expertise matters here. You have somebody who's a businessman who thinks he can, he's the ruler of the master of the universe, Donald Trump, who's got no knowledge whatsoever of anything when it comes to economics. Economics is not the same as business. Uh, anybody can run a, uh, well, not anybody, but you know, it takes certain skills to run a business of the kind that he's running, and he has those skills, but he doesn't have the skills to be uh, an, an econ- he's not an economist. He's not trained. He, he also doesn't have the skills to to actually engineer a skyscraper. If you had him design every detail of his next building with no architects and no engineers, it would collapse. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's proposing to do when it comes to the economy. The same thing with Clinton. She's trained as a lawyer. Every instinct she has is that of a lawyer. Let's get some agency, new agency to to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to produce these uh, new jobs in clean energy. Um, I, myself, Hillary Clinton, I'm going to make that happen. Well, guess what? It's the private sector that makes jobs happen, not Hillary Clinton. Um, no, Not a politician. So what we need is a carbon tax. It should be $80 per uh, ton of CO2 emission, and that would uh, give us some chance, some prayer that our kids will not be uh, basically willed to toast by, by, well, maybe not our kids, but certainly our grandchildren have a, a major risk facing them with respect to the, um, for the heating of the climate and the tipping points that are many and are very serious when it comes to climate change. And it's the permafrost frost, uh, um, uh, melting the West Antarctic, Antarctic ice, ice shelf, the Greenland ice shelf, the uh, Gulf, Gulf Stream reversing course, the Amazon rainforest burning, you know, uh, disappearing. All these things can materially and permanently affect the, the planet, according to the top scientists at NASA and the National Science Foundation and from the British Royal Academy, you name it. The top scientists around the world are deadly afraid of what's going on here. We need to get serious. We need to have a high tax on carbon that actually declines through time so that the energy producers know that this is not the time to burn fossil fuels. The time to burn fossil fuels is in the future. We want to have them engage in a slow burn, not a quick burn. And unless you've actually studied the economics of climate, of, of energy policy, you don't know that that uh, applauding the Paris Accord is actually possibly going to make climate change worse because here's why. You're telling energy producers, dirty energy producers, use it or lose it. In 20 years, you folks will not have a market. Therefore, what are they doing? They're pumping oil like crazy right now. They're increasing the coal production. So we have the dirty and natural gas production. So we have a much faster burn going on right this minute and we might have, have had there not been a Paris Accord that put these folks on notice. I want us to have an $80 uh, a ton of CO2 emission tax imposed today, not in 20 years, uh, so that there's no use it or lose it incentive and actually do something to fix this problem because all these things, Tom, are of a nature. They're all leaving burdens to our children. It's a fiscal time bomb that we're leaving them when, when you have a $206 trillion fiscal cap. It's a time bomb. We're talking about them facing tax rates 
that could be twice as high as we're facing uh, if we don't actually raise taxes on ourselves or lower spending on ourselves. We're talking about climate change, which is a huge risk to our kids. We're talking about an educational system that's third rate, that's also, you know, uh, a way of uh, exploiting our children, not not spending enough on education and uh, coming up with ways to fix that problem and giving them second-rate education. So wherever you look, uh, a banking system that can fail again at their expense, wherever you look, we're leaving either big bills or big risk to our children and grandchildren. That's not what our founders had in mind. That's not what Thomas Jefferson had in mind when he talked about the moral obligation of current generations not to uh, burden children with our debts. And every generation should pay its, its own way. That's what he, uh, he wrote, and that's really what I believe. Well, you've, uh, you've definitely raised some points that were not covered definitely in the debate, and I thank you for your time, and I thank you for your uh, intelligence, and also for writing this book. You go to Kotlikoff 2016, uh, and you can download this dot book. Com, yeah. dot com. It's a free book, and I encourage you to do that, and you're giving us an alternative viewpoint, and uh, I think that's something that we do need is uh, different, different viewpoints that are not the mainstream establishment viewpoint, which has been the same for the past 40 years or more. And we appreciate you coming on today and sharing with us about uh, your ideas for the future of our country. And good luck to you in your presidential campaign. Uh, thank you so much, Tom. And I, I hope people will take this seriously. You know, it's still uh, five weeks until the election. It takes, just think about this, Tom. If 10 people listening to your podcast were to find 10 people, to send an email to 10 people to go to this website, and to write us in and for them to get another 10 and for the each of those 10 to get another 10 if that went on eight rounds we have 100 million people who know about our website know about my candidacy and who can who can in conjunction with other people write us in and elect us to run the country with the obviously in conjunction with congress uh because uh, it's not like we alone have the answers. It's like we uh, are, are you know, knowledgeable enough to point people, to point Congress in the right direction and to see if we can get agreement with the two, two parties, which I think we can, on very sensible, simple solutions so that we don't drive our kids broke and we don't leave them at risk. So this is not a... Uh, I'm not running for president in order to try and influence policy uh, or to make a name for myself. I'm too old for, I've, I've got plenty of, you know, recognition in the press over the years. That's not my goal. My goal is our kids and your kids, uh, everybody's kids. And we can make that happen. We can make it happen on November 8th. It's not too late to turn the situation around. It's just a matter of spreading the word. And the regular press, the national press, is in, to a large extent boycotting my campaign because they don't understand about writing candidacies and they don't understand that, about registered writing candidates. I think there are t thousands of writing candidates like Mickey Mouse. I'm competing with Mickey Mouse or something. I'm equivalent to Mickey Mouse. It's not the case because Mickey has not registered throughout the country. He hasn't spent the time and energy and um, going around the country getting registered in all the states that need registration 
And I have, so I'm actually legally able to get get elected. And I'm only one of five or six people that can legally be elected on November 8th. And now it's time to get the word out because what we saw last night were two people that are not ready to be president. We appreciate your time. And Professor, uh, we'll be... Uh we will be following your campaign and we'll be also uh, trying to promote your book because we need more fresh ideas. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Tom. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com and be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at TampaDirectCare.com.